Grab a brew, listen up, and get back to you. This is Things I Wish I'd Known podcast, coming up. Just by telling one person, that takes a bit of the edge off. And then suddenly you'd be like me, screaming off the rooftops. But suddenly, like, and I felt such a freedom then. I get very excited for my friends when things go well, and I get really sad for my friends when they get dumped. And I'm very like involved in everyone's life. I just, everything's everything's like HD when you're bipolar. It's like a reminder to me to take my bipolar seriously because if I don't take it seriously, it wins. Welcome to the Things I Wish I'd Known podcast. We're on a mission to help those of us who feel way too sad, way too often, remember what it's like to feel alive and 100% yourself again. So whether you're here because you're stressed out, feel like your emotions are constantly hijacking your life, or you've just somehow lost your way, your host Rachel has got your back. Let's have all the chats everyone told us not to talk about. Yeah. (laughs) Rebellion. She's a raver, misbehaver and suicide survivor turned happiness champion. She's on a mission to bring happiness back because let's face it, it never really went out of fashion. This podcast may contain content that is triggering for some listeners. If you're sensitive to certain topics, please check the show notes for full episode descriptions. Thank you so much for being here. How are you? <laughs> oh, I've got tingles. Um, just listening to all of that. Sometimes, like, I mean, yeah, so this episode's about bipolar. And sometimes, like, you just feel like you're just surviving this mental health illness every day. And then to mm. have someone... Um, I'm actually in the middle of doing an arts council application and when you write down everything you've done it's actually such a good exercise because I was like I said to my mum I had to pinch myself because I was like that's me like I've done all those things I'm that person who wrote that show and set up that company and sometimes you know I mean you're a good mate of mine and we talk about it sometimes you feel like it takes god I'm diving deep diving straight in here but it takes so much to just feel normal when you have a severe mental health condition that sometimes I feel like daily I'm just surviving and just floating and it's not until a friend or colleagues or other people tell you how well you're doing on top of living with a chronic mental health condition that there's no cure for that you go do you know what I'm gonna pat myself on the back because I am doing all right so actually I got a bit like oh god I'm even gonna cry three seconds in but I got a bit emotional hearing that I was like Oh, you're pretty badass, Gary. <laughs> <laughs> you are badass. I love it. <laughs> I mean, I've known you for, God, what, seven years? Yeah, but yeah, on that, isn't it? Yeah, my God. Oh, yeah. We're getting old. <laughs> <laughs> and so Kerry and I met um, through, I used to live in a big warehouse and we used to have these massive raves and parties and she used to come to those and so that's kind of how we met and then um sometime later our mutual friend no, I, re- I remember I really remember when I reconnected so I knew you was like Rachel from the warehouse and I was probably like Kerry the cat head and then <laughs> <laughs> and then we reconnected because I'm not going to mention her name but a mutual friend of ours who's fabulous and I was dealing with um the diagnosis of being bipolar and an awful breakup and just feeling really shit about myself and she went oh I remember Rachel from the warehouse and I was like oh yeah like madhead Rachel or whatever she was like no no she's really turned her life around she's like in terms of wellness and she had di- um, I was going to say diabetes she had depression and basically has cured herself through all of these ways and I remember being really nervous and emailing you or messaging you on Facebook and going like hi Rach um, 
so I'm really not well and um, this person I won't mention the name I've mm. said that you're, you've not been great and I remember being really nervous mm. and reaching out to you and then from then we sort of formed I guess the, there was two chapters of our friendship so to speak yeah. there was the warehouse chapter which I can talk about later because I think that when you surround yourself with other people that are partying and slightly hedonistic and um, not not with a nine to five, it's very easy. And we've discussed this to cover your mental mm-hmm. health condition or your anxiety or your your uh, your issues. But everyone else is getting on it on nine a.m. on Tuesday morning. I'm fine. I'm good. Um, <laughs> and, you know, and I'm really open about it because hey, good for me. I'm not just a raver. One of the well, I was I slash am, but one of the. Um, one of the oh, what would you call it? The things of having bipolar, the conditions. Of, oh, can't, can't think of the word. Ill Sym- symptoms. symptoms. One of the symptoms of having bipolar is um, reckless behaviour. So I said, oh, wasn't my fault. Uh, use of class A drugs, cocaine. Oh, good, that wasn't my fault either. Then. Um, <laughs> so like, oh, I wasn't just a record. I've got bipolar. That's good to know. Promise, promise. I can't talk today. Promiscuity. Good to know, but I wasn't just the slag, not my fault. I'm going to put it out there, mate, even if you were. I think there's um, someone else I was chatting to for the podcast, actually. I can't remember if we mentioned it in the episode or not. She has recommended a book to me called Ethical Slut. And I um, listened to the, you know, like on Audible, you can listen to the sample and straight away, I was like, right, I've, I've got it. On, it's on my wait list now for me to listen to it. Because I was like, do you know what? It's um, fascinating on that topic, how certain behaviours, and I totally agree with you, like I talk about this a lot on the podcast and in my work, that actually a lot of behaviours that other people might seem as um, unethical or um immoral <laughs> or um, problematic are actually solutions a lot yeah. of the time. Yeah. Like, what is an awesome solution to social anxiety? Getting pissed and smoking. And I'm saying this, um, I realise actually, for, just for clarity, that I re- I'm not suggesting this as a, you know, a solution in it's the sense of... Mechanism. It's a coping, coping mechanism. mechanism. And yeah. so, you know, a lot of the time when we have... You know, when you see somebody exhibiting certain behaviours, I'm like, what's the driver for that behaviour, mm. though? Mm. What's the driver for that behaviour? Is it, you know, and this is a lot of the time now when I think, well, a lot of my behaviours haven't changed. You know, I still go to, like, raves. Everyone else is, like, on it. I'm there with my Diet Coke. I remember chatting to this guy and he's like, what are you on? And I was like, dance, it was so, such a good night nice. in that oval space. And, uh, and I was like, oh, just, you know, just this Coke, like, meaning what yeah. I was drinking. And he's like, oh, cool. Like, can I have a line or whatever? And I was like, what? And then, because I'd been, I'd been sober for a while then, I was like, no, no, like, just this Coke, like, yeah. pointing at this can of Coke. And he was like, no way. And I was like, mate, I just love the music. I love dancing. I like these environments. I feel very at home yeah. <laughs> in yeah. these environments. And I think it's interesting the way you've, you've put it across there, like, that, you know, not that it's not your fault, because I don't think anyone's mental illness is you know i think blame is often no, real... some of the yeah some of the sort of like the, or i guess like for me when i got the diagnosis as terrifying can we was. talk about that as well because i imagine yeah. a lot of people listening to this are going to be potentially in the process or their family might be in the process and things like that and i realize you know diagnosis can be quite complex you yeah. know, for that. So what was your kind of um, journey with your with your diagnosis? 
so on average it takes about 10 years minimum Cash. to diagnose casual decade and that is because like i said so many of the symptoms of bipolar you can't get your blood tested for bipolar mm. you can't get your brain scanned for bipolar they can only assess bipolar by your behavior now mm. who doesn't well not everyone and especially not probably the next generations but our generation definitely who wasn't being reckless who wasn't taking drugs who wasn't sleeping around who wasn't um, maybe not always making the best life choices who wasn't speaking too quickly because everyone off said is, a, is off their tits on speed but <laughs> i found like i'm off the tits on speed all the time um but who isn't um what else is another thing of um bipolar sleeping not sleeping for days yes those things everybody presents themselves as so that's the kind of upside of bipolar the hypomania mm. or if you've got bipolar type one which i can talk about as well um so that's the thing with bipolar and that's why i'm so passionate about talking about it is because there is so much stigma around it people don't know that there's three types of bipolar there's bipolar type one where it's like um, you have extreme mania where you're almost schizophrenic and um, hallucinate and like someone's brother I know had bipolar and they were traveling, didn't know he had bipolar and he was telling everyone he was Jesus. And I, was like, I know that's funny, but he genuinely thought that he was Jesus and he's often the very religious. Um, I think Jesus probably did have bipolar. Uh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Disclaimer, don't know if that's true, but like <laughs> you're often these people that like you've been, you think that you've been sent to earth to like, mm. you know, or you think you have these big visions um, and then hypomania is what I get, which is rapid speech, which is probably the way I'm talking quite like now. And it's like, I have this thing to share, which is bipolar. Or I have this message. Um, very excitable, you know, super fast working. And again, in terms of the capitalist consumerist world we live in, like I just work all the time. I'm a work obsessive. I'm super efficient. In fact, my therapist this week said, stop saying that you have hypomania and just start, start saying you are very, and I can't say this without blowing smoke up my own ass I'm just gonna say it she was like you're smart intelligent super efficient and super fast thinking mm. and when you get into that mode you can't you you are just on this other level of problem solving mm-hmm. so I've been working with someone this week and I was like god I said to my therapist she just can't keep up with me and she went but she's not as smart super thinking or as super fast as you and she said that's fine because most people aren't mm-hmm. so why don't you present the problem and then say, I'm going to go for a little walk or I'm going to go for a coffee or I'm just going to go to the toilet, come back and that person will have processed the information that you've just shot at them a million miles per hour. Mm-hmm. And they were like, but actually, Kerry, you're just super smart. And I was like, that's a really nice way of reframing it as my like superpower. Um, but yes, yeah, so I, so, but that's, so there's the ups of bipolar, the downs. And this is why when someone who's got bipolar kills himself, everyone goes, but they were so happy. They mm. were like the of the party. But they were so, they had their shit together all the time. You don't see the depression, the sleeping for days, the not eating. Um, in fact, anyone who isn't watching on YouTube, I've got a scar on my lip because I fainted three weeks ago because I didn't eat for mm. three days because I was depressed. Um, and um, yeah, like that is the reality of bipolar. It takes yeah. me. I had, even though everything was going pretty well in my life, I felt really down for a couple of days and had these suicidal thoughts that literally just sort of consume you. And you're like, oh, God, like, am I allowed to swear? You're just like, fuck yeah. off. <laughs> you can totally um, swear this is not a child-friendly podcast. <laughs> yeah, so it's, um, it's really, really hard. And I um, 
I think from quite a young age, people would go, oh, she's a lot. Or my mum would go, oh, Kerry, stop showing off. And I was like, oh, it's so annoying. I'm not showing off. I find it so irritating. Or my... And you're like, and now I show off for a living. Literally. I was like, I'm not showing off as I sit naked on the kitchen table. You know, like, (laughs) I've done another play. And actually we were laughing because nothing's changed. Age three, four, five, I used to come into the kitchen with scripts. And I'd be like, I've written a show. And I was like, mum, I'm 33 and I still come home with scripts and make you come up to London and see my plays. Except now I'm getting paid for them, which is great. But um, yeah, my school teacher in secondary school, I was very high achieving. Again, I always sound like I'm blowing smoke up my own ass. However, you're not. Can we also realise, because this I want to touch on as well. I did a training course with Google called I Am Remarkable. And it was all about how women massively discount their skills and Mm. how we find it very, very difficult to say the things that we're good at in an open and connected way and to and to not feel like we're being cocky or blown smoke up our own ass or like whatever. And it's like fact, you know, you've achieved some incredible feats in your life whilst living with a mental health condition. You know, it, it's pretty amazing and you should be able to just sit here and say, I, you know, wrote produced delivered a sold out a show in three months like that's mental that's i only been told in that have this is but you know like but it's it's this is what i find fascinating right is then it's okay for you to accept and say i'm good at these things yeah without having to say yeah i blow smoke up my ass yeah so yeah, I guess back to the school point, it's like I got four A stars, six A's in a B at GCC and was annoyed that I didn't get that that one B. I got two A's and <laughs> I didn't get A level and I cried all day on results day because my life was over because I didn't get three A's. Honestly, it was like yeah. everything had to be high achieving, high achieving because it was like I've got all this energy and I had to be like, it was in this, you know, I was in the netball team, I was leading the school musical, I was deputy head girl and all this energy and my my lovely form teacher, Mr. Roberts, I remember he said to my mum, Kerry's absolutely brilliant. One of the best students we've got once we can scrape her from the ceiling in the morning. <laughs> and once I got the bipolar diagnosis and my mum and I would find a wonder, you know, sort of like, okay, my parents, I said, mum, no wonder I am bipolar. You nicknamed me Speedy Baby. Another thing that came up with my therapist. So I came up with my mum's room so bloody fast, right? That they called me Speedy Baby for four days. So I was like, from literally, from being a tiny baby, I had this energy. And my mum, like, yeah. I'm from West Wales, tiny village on a mountain. My mum was like, she knew from, like, the second she birthed me that this baby was not going to stay in West Wales, that I, that not there's nothing wrong with West Wales, but that I need the city, I need energy, I need stimulation all the time. Like, yeah. you know, I must have been a bloody nightmare kid. When I have kids, like, the universe is going to come back to haunt me. I love, like, you know, crazy I doubt twins. It. I doubt it, because it's usually the opposite, isn't it? You'll probably have this real, like, almost, like, stoner kid who's like, hey, man, just relax. <laughs> like, really straight <laughs> And you'll be like, like what? <laughs> Why haven't you got more energy? God! <laughs> I know, we've always said I'm going to be like, add fab, and like, mum and add fab, just be like, darling, just do something interesting. Like, drugs, that's what sex, that's Um... <laughs> God, I digress again. So back here, yeah, so basically, I don't the 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 diagnosis to begin with. Um, I got really depressed when I was in my twenties, um, but I um, 
it was it was I had broken my back and I'd missed out on this huge tour. Mm. And actually, bi- bipolar can be triggered by um, a massive um, traumatic life event, like breaking your back age 27 and um, missing out on this massive tour to Australia. My acting career was just kicking off. But I'd been depressed for a few reasons, sort of like I didn't deal with things very well. My parents broke up when I was 16. My boyfriend broke up with me. Most kids would understandably be quite upset. I took 24 paracetamol and ended up in hospital. Or Mm. when I was broken up with by a boyfriend, I wouldn't deal with that very well. And in fact, when I watched the Caroline Flack uh, documentary recently and the sister was saying about that, about I don't. I, I'm so scared to open up when I start to date someone new because I know, like, I don't, I can't just bounce back from a breakup. I mm. feel things to my core. But I pass like a homeless guy in the street and start crying sometimes. Or I would yeah. like hear about my friends, 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 dads who died and be like, oh, like I'm, an, I'm, an, you know, I'm super emotional. I feel things so deeply. And I think sometimes people don't understand that, yeah. you know, it's not just an empath. It's like I feel things to my. Bone, which is yeah. why I'm a good actor because I can so get into that psyche yeah. Um, and I get very excited for my friends when things go well and I get really sad for my friends when I get dumped and I'm very like involved in everyone's life I just everything's everything's like HD when you're bipolar yeah. so like at the moment I'm on and up For more information on how you can bring your happiness back, why not join Rachel's monthly membership or contact her via her website, www.welfordwellbeing.com. And this is, again, what I want to say. I've been on a couple of dates with a guy recently and he said to me, well, how will I know when you're on and up? And I went, well, I'm on and up right now. And he went, oh, okay. You know, he's not, I'm not some like, you know, I don't want yeah. to use this time it's not a good word to use. You know, I'm not like strapped to some like mental illness thing, like pinging off my head. Like, actually, so I know I'm on and up right now because I'm doing things that before have, I found really difficult. I'm just like, yeah, I woke up at seven this morning, spent four hours smashing out an arts application. I've got three theatre projects bubbling away in the pipeline. I'm doing this podcast. I'm doing another mm. podcast today. I've got new client meetings for No Drama Nannies and everything just feels easy yeah when you're on an app with bipolar in fact the only tv show until my show gets commissioned that i've seen is any good about bipolar if people have an interest is i think it's episode three of modern love with anne hathaway oh my god it's so good um, and when she's like life is a musical i'm going to the shop like literally i was yeah. driving today in wales and i had the music on really loudly and i was like look at that view like, talking to myself and i was like look at it look at it there was no else I'd rather be right now and I'm just like and then I pissed myself laughing well I didn't actually piss myself disclaimer like laughed a lot <laughs> and I just thought I am so down to fatigue bipolar it's ridiculous three weeks ago I was like I hate myself I want to kill myself now I'm like I've got the best life in the world <laughs> yeah and it you is... know I mean you're my mate you see me go up and down but I do yeah. think that the, the lows are getting shorter and less frequent and less severe and I'm learning to manage the highs so that I don't go too high because I can go too dangerously high. And if you can harness bipolar, I guess it's like, you know, it's literally like riding a horse. And if you can harness the energy of that horse, you're unstoppable. But if that horse goes too fast, then you're, then you're in trouble and you fall off. Ooh, mm, I like that, that analogy. Oh, I like that That's one. a good analogy. Um, and I think like... You know, because I was thinking like, oh, things I wish I'd known. And obviously bipolar is so specific that if mm. someone's listening to this and they're like, well, I don't have bipolar, this episode isn't for me. If you are still listening 20 minutes in, then I think <laughs> if, if you've got 
um, if you, if you, if you think there's something wrong with you, be that depression, anxiety, bulimia, anorexia, um, dyslexia, um, a physical thing. Um, well, I can't think of any physical things, but you know, if you think there's something wrong with you, you know yourself better than anybody. Mm-hmm. And I went to the doctor aged oh, 25 and said, I think I've got bipolar. And she went, no, you don't seem too extreme. You're, you're not extreme enough. And I was like, well, you, I'm in the doctor's office. I'm not going to like, so then she went, well, why, why do you think that? And I was like, well, um, and I listed off some of the stuff that I thought, like I'm either up or down, I love, I love my life or I don't. And she said, I don't, I think you've just got depression because of what's happened with your back and blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. But anyway, the next time I went to see her then, she said to me, and she was this young female Asian doctor, and I'm making a point of that because I feel like I've been very overlooked by middle-class white male doctors. And mm. if that pisses anyone off that listens, that's just been my reality. And she just took me seriously. And she went, look, there is this thing called cyclothymia, which is milder bipolar. So you get the ups and downs. Everyone's goes up and down, don't mm. you? Like, But a bit more extreme. She said, I'm going to transfer you to just have an assessment with the mental health team. I love the NHS, disclaimer. I think they're absolutely brilliant. My mum's a nurse. Um, I'm a passionate believer that the NHS is one of the most incredible things the UK has. However, it is, the people in it are angels. And I've thought this before COVID. In fact, I was writing a play about the NHS years ago before any of this and all the clapping stuff. However, the government and the funding Mm -hmm. and the the way the NHS is ran is not good. And it took... Um, over a year for that assessment to come through in which time I spiralled my life fell apart my partner broke up with me like to be fair like if he's listening don't blame him I was not in a good place (laughs) mentally and I didn't know how to deal with it because I didn't understand these triggers I didn't you know like I didn't understand now I'm like oh I can feel him on and up I've come back to Wales I need to chill a bit no drinks no you know no smoking no drinking early nights, clean, you know, like clean living, like chill out. Um, I, I, I wasn't aware of it and I was mm. just going up and down and my life was just in these spirals of, I guess, like self-destruction. Yeah. And to the point then where I um, I still hadn't had an assessment and then a, to that relationship breaking down then was also like a massive catalyst in my, because I don't deal with things in a normal way. Yeah. But I, I don't have the capacity to deal with like severe emotions and I'm aware of that now and now I'd be like I need to see a therapist and I need to up my meds and I need to see my psychiatric doctor but at that time Mm. I didn't have any of those support systems in place and everything spiraled really quickly and it wasn't until I was almost like I can sit here hand in heart and say if I didn't have an incredibly supportive loving family who have the resources and income to have been able to offer me what I needed I'd be dead Mm. And that is why I'm so passionate about it because I'm, you know, working class, but moved up, I guess, to sort of middle class world now um, in terms of my family began working class, worked really hard. So I'm now a white middle class girl. Mm. So I'm, of course, going to be alive over. Um, there's a whole other thing about um, black women and bipolar and mental health and how they're mm. just seen as like um, they're just seen as like bossy. Um, argumentative black women when actually they're women with bipolar, women yeah. of colour with bipolar. And that's a whole other podcast episode. But I'm super aware that I got the help I needed just in time. And yeah. I actually dread to think of if I hadn't surrendered and gone home, 
and oh, I feel a bit emotional now because like accepted it. And I think things I'd wish I'd known was like acceptance. But that was mm-hmm. back in 2017, 18, 19, 20, 20. So that's four years ago. And my journey with it since then. And in fact, I was, we spoke about this in my age. I was supposed to do a podcast in the second season and it didn't happen. And I'm mm-hmm. actually really glad that it's happening now because I had a really, really bad manic episode before Christmas, which scared me because I'd never been that like up before. And then I started meds. I'd always been anti-meds. Mm-hmm. Now I've accepted that I'm probably going to have to earn enough money to have a therapist every week for the rest of my life, that I may be on meds for the rest of my life. But that's okay. It's absolutely fine. Mm-hmm. But I have to go and see my psychiatric doctor every couple of months just to check in. And then I feel safe and I feel good. But what had happened was once... so. Yeah, to, to go back to what you said about the play, I wrote a play in three months about having bipolar and turned myself and my life into this character and this play. And so Katie's got bipolar. Katie was suicidal. Katie had the heartbreak. Katie, Katie, Katie. And then when I was experiencing the bipolar, I was like, oh, why am I get? Why am I depressed? Because it was mm. like there was Katie and her bipolar, and then there was Kerry, the writer and the actor who plays or writes about it. Mm. And it wasn't, to be honest, really, until this Christmas just gone, that the penny dropped and I went, you've got bipolar and this is not your fault, but this is, like, things are quite hard for you. So that is a journey of three and a half years from my diagnosis of accepting it. Do you know what, as well, I'd love to chat about that on that point a little bit, because... Something that I find quite complicated is, and and I know this is something that we both disagree on, I think I can cure myself from depression and anxiety. I'm convinced that at some point I'll find them. I just haven't quite found the magic. I feel like Mm -hmm. there's some kind of like magic key, whatever, that's going to like... Mm. work because of the mm. because of the stuff that I believe about epigenetics and you know um turning on and off gene expression and all that kind of stuff I'm like mm-hmm. right this is it, I believe it's possible whether I can do it or not it's probably another another question but I believe it's possible whereas I know you believe like you're gonna have this forever and you're not going to be able to you know you're, you're never gonna heal from it in that sense you'll always have bipolar but I find it complicated in that same way that you're talking about with Katie even though I've never had a character because I'm well so much now because I implement you know meditation Mm. tapping I see a therapist regularly I watch my nutrition I'm you know I basically try and biohack myself most days into being well and then when I don't do those things I get ill again yeah. And when I dip and bearing in mind my dips now, I mean, it feels horrible because I think, oh, my God, it's happening again. And da, 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 oh, da. that feeling that, oh, God, it's so bad, isn't it? Because you're like, how low is this going to go? Like, it's where like how, and how not, far are we and dropping? Like, yeah, the roller coaster's going and you're like, oh, God, here we go. You know, if you're just feeling a little bit wobbly in any way, get yourself a pen and a paper and give yourself a morning list. But the number mm. one thing on that morning list, which you tick off and you feel good about, is wake up, right? Yeah. Wake up. Ping, I've done something today. I've woken up. Number two is get out of bed. Ping. Now, when you're depressed, you might not get out of bed for like no, two hours. But, or like, if you, even if you get out of bed at 6 p.m., clean the teeth, have a pee, drink some water and get back into bed, you've got out of bed. Number three is so a wake up, get out of bed, open the curtains, tick. Um, take three deep breaths tick write down three things you're grateful for and like 
do you know what? When I was really, really down, I've got this little book and I read back. And one was like, I'm grateful my mum bought me a cup of tea. I'm grateful that it's not raining. I'm grateful that, like, you know, I couldn't think of anything almost. So hard. But when you look gratitude back, when you're in depression. Yeah, but do you know what? I said to my friend, oh, yeah, do you know what? Some days I just write, like, you know, I'm grateful my mum bought me a cup of tea. And she went, well, my mum's dead. So actually you'll look back and realise that's a huge thing one day. And that hit me. And I thought, no. And I thought, she's so right, though. Because I'm so going, right. oh, I'm grateful my mum bought me a cup of tea. I'm actually drinking a cup of tea my mum made me now. <laughs> and it's when you realise, like, actually, one day, your mum bringing you a cup of tea when you're not feeling be- well will be one of the biggest things, like, ever. So mm-hmm. I definitely think that, um, that like, those moments are so, so, so important. It's really, really important to have those little systems in place. So it sounds crazy, but I put that on my Instagram, which I'll come to in a minute. So I use my Instagram primarily to talk about, quite openly about bipolar. However, classic bipolar, when I'm on one, um, I get, you get posts every like 10 seconds. (laughs) And then when I'm depressed, you don't hear from me for two months. And someone said to me that they can tell what my mental health is like according Instagram. to how many posts I've got on, yeah. I agree. Um, like, when you're posting all the time, I don't worry about you too much, but when your posting slows down, and then I'm, that's when I start ringing you and voice noting you more, because I'm like, oh, okay, she's, yeah. like, not in a... Yeah. And I think that's also a thing, I guess, for anyone that's listening to this that's got a friend or a family member, I was talking to a friend recently who has recently got a diagnosis of bipolar and I said I was going to put you guys in touch yeah, I'm not going to yeah, mention yeah. any names of these people and then another fr- another person that I know was like I think I might have bipolar and I was like oh well I know a few people and then I started thinking about it I was like I know six people with a diagnosis of bipolar mm-hmm. have you got any tips you know from your perspective as as somebody like things that maybe friends and family have done that you found and obviously everyone's mm. unique so I'm not saying this is going to mm. be a be or an end all list but things that maybe you yeah. have found helpful and also maybe unhelpful mm. um that could be good like tips mm. for friends and family members if, if you've got people in your life that you love and care for that are just you're finding it difficult to relate to how they behave maybe I'm fully aware that I can be a lot when I'm on one. I quite like um, it though, because I'm also I'm, a lot. Yeah, and some friends love it. <laughs> but I've actually lost, it's actually really upset me. I've lost um, a school friend, an old school friend, who told me that being friends with me makes them feel anxious and stressed, Aww. which really upset me. And we've basically, like, oh, even talking about it now, we've basically grown apart now. Mm. And, um, to the, you know, she doesn't like, doesn't tell me big events in her life um and i've just had to accept that she doesn't really see me as a friend anymore yeah god you've been talking about it's upset me a bit and i'm fully aware that i can be too full on and over the the same way my ex couldn't deal with it maybe this friend like they couldn't deal with it because they've had to be with me since school when i'm on one it's the carry ash show and everyone's got front row seats whether they want them or not <laughs> i'm on one yeah, some people do want them. But do you know what? I think that if you truly are friends with somebody and they're being too much, this is how to deal with a hypermania. A really, really close friend of mine, um, who I'm not going to mention, but she wants... Uh, I won't mention her name, but in the play, like all these elements of these two girls basically went into being the, the best mate in the play. Mm-hmm. Um she said to me, look, I'm really sorry. One of my schoolmates 
really doesn't like you we met in uni mm. and I know why because you, they don't see what I see in you because whenever she meets you you give her a monologue about your life you never ask her anything about her life because then you're on to the next exciting thing or the next hot guy in the party and you don't actually speak to her you give her monologues and then just like basically like overlook her Mm. and she also feels like you're slightly in like competition for my friendship which isn't again I know you don't mean that and I was obviously heartbroken really upset she said to me look you're such an excitable little you're like a little puppy but she said when you meet somebody new just ask them three questions about themselves before saying anything about yourself because mm. then you've actively done that and so but then sometimes and then I actually now really do try and do that and even on this podcast like when I'm like got pressive speeches called like, I I want to say stuff and even though Rachel's talking and I want to get my bit in like, and I can feel it it's like this anxiety almost so she now will say to me if we're out and about she she'll she'll she now senses that I'm getting anxious because I want people to like me like it upsets me so much when people don't like me I'm definitely like mm-hmm. that's something I need to work on but so she will just go breathe or me and my mate have got this thing now so ground base is like good mm-hmm plus one is like so be, bipolar plus one is like all right so you just mm-hmm. carry on one and it's kind of fun bipolar plus two is like mm, and then bipolar mm-hmm. plus three is like someone needs to intervene yeah and then minus one is a bit of depression and i'm all right minus two is like not good minus three is like call my mum, i'm gonna kill myself so yeah i've actually just um in fact it's gonna message you rich i've just sort of like put a little plan in place and i was gonna message like three or four friends who actually don't all know each other to have a little WhatsApp group so that if you're worried about me and I can't really talk, I can be like minus one and that's all right. You guys know minus one is leave me alone, but I'm all right. Yeah. If I'm just like, I actually can't talk, but maybe I can just type minus three. That's like intervene. And it's a really that, good idea to have those things in place, I think. Yeah. I had a similar thing with a friend with an emoji. So we had, em- well, we had emo- yeah. emoji um, code you know so that because sometimes when you're in those spaces especially the low ones Mm. it can be like Mm. just to lift your head off the pillow let alone send a text Mm. let alone Mm -hmm. ask for help like it's just Mm. can be too much but to send an emoji is easier than trying to verbalize or like you Mm. say minus one minus two minus three yeah Yeah, like whatever works yeah yeah i think whatever works for you and i think but i think also and, you know, this is quite hard for me to say, but I think people often think, oh, my God, you've got a friend who's got bipolar. Is it really scary if she's, like, mm. suicidal or whatever? But in terms of your friendship and dealing with them, I know that it can be a lot as mm. well to have a friend who's on one and is hypermanic. And now I often, like, I think that you can, you know, you can call your friend out and go, you're being a lot. And even though it's going to... If you do it with love and you do it with kindness... I know that those girls love me to the core and yeah. will are doing it because they don't want other people to dislike me because I'm there like just talking million miles per hour and not giving anyone else a chance to breathe. And it's actually something that it's probably my least favorite part about being bipolar is that sometimes you lose that self-awareness. Mm. Um, but also, and then with friends and family, my sister, she like, we text a lot. So I know, and then with my mum, I know, like, if she's a bit worried, then I will, like, just text her going, really busy, but I'm okay. Because mm. I think that that's really important to, like, just let them know you were right. Because my sister, so three, mm, I don't know, about a month, five weeks ago now, I had a bit of a dip, and I just moved into a flat by myself. Um, 
and I didn't eat for a couple of days and ended up fainting and cutting my lip open. Mm. Really bad dream, which is actually good, which is a nice little segue into the next bit I'll talk about, which is meds. But my sister said she hadn't heard from me and I didn't message anyone because I was in hospital, didn't want to upset them. Mm. And I was like, um, so I wasn't answering the phone and stuff until I wanted to know like what was happening and if I had to wait and I just I just didn't want it, it was Mother's Day, I didn't want to upset anyone. Yeah. My sister was like, I thought you were dead that day. Oh God. And I was like, Oh my god, I'm really sorry. She's like, and then when you called and said you were in hospital, I was like, I knew it. But she was like, and I was like, No, I knew you were all gonna think that I'd like to try to do something, but I didn't. I literally well, I did not eat for two days, which was really bad. Went to the toilet in the middle of the night and fainted. Mm. So I've now got a little scar on the middle of my lip. And I'm actually grateful for it because it's like a reminder to me to take my bipolar seriously because if I don't take it seriously, it wins. Don't forget to meet us over on YouTube for the uncut video version and additional content of all episodes. You can find the link in the description. And so if you can take it seriously and now... You know, this was funny so if anyone's listening who's anti-meds and it's like oh I don't know whether that be for anxiety depression mm. um, or bipolar or whatever so one I made contact recently with Bipolar UK charity and they said to me treat your brain like any other part of your body so let's say your leg and let's say you've had a car accident and you've broken your leg right and you when you first have the car accident you need like um, a crutch and you need to put your leg into plaster and you mm-hmm. need to take antibiotics whatever and then you need once that gets better you take the cast off and then you have just a crutch and then you just have uh, painkillers for a bit and then you stop taking the painkillers and you have physio but then you overdo it a bit so you go back on the on the painkillers like she was like if you see your brain like that so she's like right now at this moment you need to be on medication and you need therapy but it might be that then eventually you're going to decrease your meds and you're just gonna just do therapy for a while but then mm. something might happen traumatic in your life that will trigger you like pregnancy or death or heart heartache and then you need to go back on the meds and she's like if you see it like that and I was always like oh yeah and I still hadn't decided to go on the meds until mm. I hurt my lip and the doctor was like right if you don't want a scar you need to take this 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 you need to take these anti-inflammatories you need to take these antibiotics you need to wear sun cream every time you go outside and I wasn't going oh, but I'm just going to do yoga and drink water and hope that this doesn't scar. But I yeah. did. But I drank loads of water and took Arnica tablets and took what the doctors gave me. Yeah. And, I, and I suddenly just clicked and thought, so I'm still going to journal, I'm still going to meditate, I'm still going to do yoga, I'm still going to do therapy, I'm still going to lift weights, I'm still going to go and walk, I'm still going to get outside in nature, I'm still going to eat fish and take um, uh, what do I, apple cider vinegar every morning because gut health is supposedly linked to bipolar. Yep. I'm going to do all those things and I'm going to take my meds. Do you know what's annoying as well? I get not, I've, I've definitely had this conversation more than once with many people that are close to me. When I have a dip, I can literally actively look at what have I been doing for the last three months? Mm, and pinpoint and it. And it's never one thing. It's always mm. a slight drop in my self-care over a period of time that then galvanises into me having my depressive symptoms again. And generally it's the depression over the anxiety now. I feel like the anxiety pretty much 
give or take pretty much I've got mm-hmm. nailed but I I just get so bored I get so frustrated I'm like it's not fair how come I have to do all these things yeah. every day otherwise just I get to feel, sick yeah. just to feel like normal just yeah. to feel like yeah. a normal like I can yeah. just do it uh, be happy it's not yeah. fair it's a bit like a little I feel like a little yeah, like brat child that. inside of me sort of like rebels against and I rebel against myself sometimes yeah. where I'm like I'm feeling so good and yeah. it's and I think this is sometimes where this binary goal orientated um you know capitalist society that we live in is a little bit um involved in this because usually you have something so let's say normally you have a goal right so let's say you were trying to save an amount of money or you were trying to put on or lose a certain amount of weight or muscle or whatever it is right usually once you hit that goal you can pretty much stop maintain it yeah you can kind of stop doing a lot of the stuff and just maintain and you'll be fine or or if it's a goal like saving money or i don't know like your goal for example putting the play on once you've done the work and done it you've done it so then you've done it and then you don't have to necessarily do it again you could put it on in a different theater or whatever but you could have just gone oh okay i've done it now and i think this is often the thing with mental health care unlike other illnesses and ailments right like if you had diabetes or if you had i don't know a heart condition or something you wouldn't just stop eating sugar for a while or take your insulin every other day or when you feel like it (laughs) or you you have to do that stuff every single day to keep yourself well but for some reason with mental health mental illness because we start to feel better when we do all these things we're like nailed it (laughs) i completed it i've done it and then you sort of like stop and then you go oh Oh crap, it was that stuff that was working. It was working. I mean, when everyone was like, go on meds, go on meds, go on meds. The one med I tried for Christmas, um, they were like, terrified. If you, um, if you get a rash, stop straight away because it means that the med is reacting with your insides and you can die within hours because you can get this. Oh, I can't remember the name of it. Something Johnson. Like, Mm. but everyone was like, oh, honestly, the likelihood of that happening to you, it's like tiny. I got a rash. Now, I am a rashy person. <laughs> like, I get rashes from soaps and stuff. But they don't know the difference. And they couldn't say, oh, no, it's just your skin reacting. So I was like, I had to come off that. And you're not supposed to come off bipolar meds straight away. You're supposed to wean yourself off them. But I had to come off them just like that. Mm. Like, it's like, yeah, these aren't just like paracetamol. The ones I'm on now are antipsychotic. So they literally yeah. change the makeup of my brain. But I am going to say, like, touch wood, for me, I still feel like me, and I've been on them quite a few months now, or six weeks. Yeah, I still feel like me, and I still have, like, the ups and the downs, but I have this, like, and this is what someone said might happen. I have this, like, second in my brain to pause before making a decision. Mm. So it's just given me this, like, clarity and slight more self-awareness. So I'm very happy on the med that I'm on now, but I'm not going to name it because what happens with bipolar is you hear of a med that's worked for someone else. And you think it'll work And you think, I want that. And and that's another thing, right? They, so per every person in the UK, and I don't know the figures that has bipolar, the equivalent of £1.50 is spent per head on research per year. Whereas cancer and other illnesses is like 40 pounds per head per year. Now I'm not saying that there should be less spent on the physical 
illnesses. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying the difference. People don't know anything about bipolar. Medical doctors don't know enough about bipolar. In fact, Bipolar UK, we're about to, and which is a fantastic charity, if anyone is listening, has got bipolar and hasn't reached out to Bipolar UK, the first thing you should do, things I'd wish I'd known when you get off this podcast, or if you have a family member or you um, have a friend who's got bipolar and you're not coping or you want some information, they are such a brilliant charity. And um, they... Um, they're doing a commission now to do research into bipolar. And so lots of bipolar, the first one they're doing is your diagnosis and asking questions about the, about the diagnosis. And then they're going to feed this back to government because mm-hmm. not enough is known about it. Not enough is known about how to manage it, how to treat it. Like also the other thing that's really hard with bipolar is when you present to your doctor and you're in a good place. If I went to the doctor now and said I'm unwell, they'd be like, no, you're not, you're smashing life. But three, four weeks ago, I was in bed mm. in for three days and had suicidal ideation, which I snapped out of because I now have the coping mechanisms. But I think initially at the beginning, I definitely think like bipolar is like a friend who you need to get to know better. And the same way my friends are getting to know me and my diagnosis better, I definitely feel like I'm getting to know it better. Or it's like a coat that you're going to have to wear. Mm. So you may as well make it comfortable and make it like suit you. But there's no like, God, I'm loving me and my my uh, analogies today are on point mate but there's no like that's the thing with bipolar like one med will work for one person and won't work for someone else yeah like talking therapy works for some people and doesn't work for other people equally like i had issues with cbt and it's actually a line in my play where i'm like well there's no point me having talking therapy is there my brain's actually fucked and the yeah. doctor's like, i'm <laughs> chemically imbalanced yes and i'm like yes yeah, so what's the fucking point in talking about stuff because talking's not going to make it go away is it and yeah. it's definitely like but having therapy to just like you know my therapist just sometimes tells me to breathe or eat or the other day like reframed it in terms of like it's my mm. it's a, a superpower so I think like oh I don't know things I wish I'd known like that it is going to be okay if you've just got a diagnosis of something that freaks you out and it, and certain symptoms in inverted commas might be things that other people wouldn't even consider a symptom like for me one of my big triggers is how clean is my bedroom i always keep my flat clean the areas that anyone else might see at a drop of a hat you know even if it's a delivery person or like you know a mate popping round unannounced but my like private space that people that i might be able to hide from people like mm. how clean and tidy is that is my washing yeah. done like all those kinds of things they're like little mm. symptoms that i have to really keep an eye mm. on like if my and do you know what on that note which sounds so so simple but i know you and i have done this and we sound like it sounds so simple but i will sometimes text you a picture of my room that's messy yeah. and you will go right i'm giving you an hour yeah um, it's be done. or if you can sense that your friend is slipping a bit i've had friends that have gone i'm coming round. what to do you help want? and yeah. i've said i just want you to sit on the bed and talk to me well, or i've it. had friends that have like they've said like how can I help and I've like okay just come over and they've just got into bed with me and cuddled me for, you know yeah. like platonic mutual friends yeah so I do think if you're a friend listening and you don't know how to help a friend with bipolar or depression or anxiety it's like offer to do something practical like if they said they've eaten or not like just turn up with no, oh do you know what? I made a stew and I've got some spare or just yeah. go oh, I haven't eaten do you want to get a takeaway and yeah. then they're eating too or leaving half a pizza at their house like a friend of mine recently went for a picnic and then she went 
oh, I, I made too much. And I knew she'd done it on purpose because I hadn't been very well. And then, yeah. she, you know, and I messaged her the next day instead of just eating all the picnic leftover for lunch. And she went, I knew you wouldn't eat otherwise. And I wouldn't have. Yeah. You know, and I just think there are a lot of practical things. Like try and treat your mentally friend ill as if she was physically ill. Yeah. If your friend had flu, what would you do? Yeah. You'd take her, you'd, I'd do my mate's laundry and I'd take her some soup. Yeah. Because exactly. I know, for example, with you, Rach, like if you're, if I've stayed at your flat or, and I've noticed that it's, a, that it's not, that organised and clean I'm aware that's one of your triggers so I would check in Yeah, and exactly. it's just getting to know your friend's little like synchronicities or is it synchronicities no, yeah. not synchronicities well um, but, but I think also it's just that thing as well of like as the friend not being afraid to maybe tell a couple of people that you feel comfortable with you don't have to tell everybody but because I realise the fear point as well of admitting things are getting on top again you know, it's like, because for me, I lie to other people because I don't want to admit it to myself. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I'll that. consistently yeah. be like, I'm fine. Because as soon as I have to say, actually, I'm not sure I'm okay uh-huh. at the moment. It's it's scary. Yeah. You're like, yeah. oh, shit, not again. Yeah. Um, That's why I've created this code. Because I was thinking I'd yeah. much rather go minus one, plus one, minus two. Such a good idea. Go, I'm not feeling okay. and Because then it's like, oh. And like you say, it's the frustration but I think as well, if people are listening and going, oh, my God, she seems like she's up and down like a bloody yo-yo. Most of the time, to be honest, um, like last year, even throughout the pandemic, I was quite, I was stable for a long, long time. Mm. And now I know why I went super up in October. It's because I was working like a mental person. Well, I am a mental person. <laughs> working like myself. Um, because the world opened up again, you know. Yeah. And last week I had a wobble because I worked and took on too much. And... Mm. Um, burnt the candle at both ends because the pub's opened and I got excited. You know, I am a human. <laughs> this is why all. I don't drink. And sometimes I just want to throw out the rules. I can just live a little and yeah. go, all right, I'm feeling bad. And But also, I think like anyone with, you know, any illness, sometimes you just go like, I know diabetics that sometimes just go, sod it, I'm going to have a bit I'm too much I'm having a donut. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So true. Yeah, exactly. Like, so true. Um, is there anything that I should have asked you or you wished I'd asked you that you didn't get to share um, before we kind of sign off and let people know where to find you? Um, I think if you are listening to this and this happened when people came to see my show and they went, I think that I've got depression or I think that I do get anxiety mm. um, or I've got bipolar or my mum's bipolar is just to talk to someone because that will open the floodgates. So if you don't mm-hmm. want to go talk to your doctor, someone the other day actually in person said to me, I think I've got bipolar and I asked them some questions and I went, I think you probably do. I know full well that he was terrified and he's not going to go yeah. and talk to anyone for ages. But talk to one person, message me on Instagram, message Rachel on Instagram and go, I listen to the podcast, I think I've got, mm. now I'm not a doctor and I'm not, I'm just a mental health advocate. But just by telling one person, that takes a bit of the edge off. And then suddenly you'd be like me screaming it off the rooftops. But suddenly like, and I felt such a freedom then in going, mm. because I just think if you are, it's there's such a shame around it still. Yes. And even though we're living in a world where you can talk about it, I think if you're listening and this triggers you in any way, or even if you've got, if, if you think, well, I haven't got a mental illness, but I think I have got um, a physical thing or, you know, I just think, you know yourself. Yeah. And there's something like for me, when I started reading about bipolar, it was like somebody had, shone 
a mirror oh not shown a mirror like I'd looked in the mirror and gone yeah. that's me and that's at the start of my play it goes like you know when you read a book and you get shivers goosebumps and read that line or you know when you read a song and it gets you mm. it's like you know when you you know when you hear a word and you go that's me yeah. for me I was like oh my god everything makes sense now and yeah. my life makes sense so if you are listening and you go yeah or to any of like Rachel's other incredibly um, informative podcasts and you go, oh yeah, just tell one person, yeah. one person. And if that if that's easier for it to be a stranger online, then tell me on Instagram or tell I was going to say, or like even finding a forum or something. You know, most people don't want to talk about suicide or depression or like wanting to kill yourself or something like that because it's heavy stuff. Yeah. And if you've not been there, it's mm. very misunderstood. And so... Actually, if you've got, say, suicide ideation and there's somebody else who's hopefully not in that space at that time but can resonate and can understand, you know, they're going to be able to support you through that in a way that someone else might not be able to. And I think that's really, you know, finding spaces where you feel safe, whatever space that is, to be able to communicate exactly how you're feeling so that you can get the right support that you need is really important. And I think that's such good advice. I would 100% agree with that. And then, yeah, I mean, if you... uh, My Instagram is creative underscore Kerry, but C-E-R-I, because I'm Welsh. So creative underscore Kerry. Um, All the links will be here as well. Yeah, and I, I mean, I talk about being bipolar all the time on my Instagram and it really helps me. The more we can talk about it and talk about mental illness, the same way we talk about mental health, Mm -hmm. we are going even further into a world that I want to live in. So we'll end on that. (laughs) Classic. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for sharing your beautiful energy and all your advice. And if anyone wants to find out more about Kerry, you can follow her on Instagram and um, Poppity Ping website for your theatre stuff. Yeah, it's at Popty Ping Productions. P-O-P-T-Y-P-I-N-G. Popty Ping Productions. Popty Ping Productions. Um, so that's where to find all of her theatre stuff and the nannying stuff. Uh, no drama nannies. Um, but we are about to have a rebrand, so don't be put off by my awful Instagram at the moment. We've got a very exciting <laughs> rebrand coming soon. Love um, it. So you'll see my amazing branding on my theatre company website and then go, what's happened with our nannying one? But... Um, it's about to be rebranded more, and re More focused on getting the right creatives with the right families, not the branding. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But we are about to do rebrand. Just a little disclaimer there. <laughs> Love it. Well, thank you so much for being here and um, I'll probably chat to you tomorrow. Yes, <laughs> to everyone tomorrow. else. <laughs> to everyone else. Thank you so much for listening and I will see you again very soon. Much love. We hope you've enjoyed listening as much as Rachel enjoys making this podcast. Why not share it with a friend in need of some heartwarming inspiration? And if you really love it, drop us a review on Apple Podcasts as it really helps us reach and inspire more people. Thanks for listening. On a mission to bring happy back.